Hello, I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption 10B podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Warren Williams, and today I'm joined with ministry intern AC, or A Sizzles, I like to call him, and uh, Tina Dare, ministry intern Tina Dare. TD Yeah. So TD Jakes is with us as well. So uh, obviously, we're in the company of some good people. Um, so today, uh, well, actually, I'll just step back. You know, if you've been following along with us, we're getting to the True Story Project. We're almost towards the end uh, of the Old Testament. And, you know, it's really been a good opportunity, whether within your small groups or individually. You know, we've been able to go through a lot of these scriptures and um, kind of be able to place them within the right context. I think that's really been a, a, a real benefit of being able to go through this large amount of scripture and uh, especially the Old Testament stuff, which may be a little unfamiliar to us. So if you're with us, you know, we're starting Haggai today. And uh, but, you know, on these podcasts, we like to look ahead. And so today we're going to be looking at First Chronicles 17 verses 1 through 14. Right. So before we even dig into that, I know you guys are like itching to get right into it. But I just kind of want to step back and just, uh, you know, ask an interesting question. So we're wrapping up the Old Testament. We're almost in the new. But uh, looking back on what you've read so far, if you can go back and film a reality show about any family in the Old Testament, who would it be and what would the show be called? And we have a lot of options to choose from here. T.D. Jakes, I'm going to pass it over to you. Okay, so initially I think this question setting us up to pick some scandal or some yeah. you know drama yeah. that'll be good on air. But I'm going to resist that because <laughs> I think that we need more good stories in the media. Mm. So okay. I'm thinking about this show that's actually really, this couple that's really popular. Um, you guys may have heard of it. It's called Fixer Upper. No, nothing? Their, their no, faces are blank. No, that's blank stairs. Yeah, no. All right. So it's on HGTV and whenever <laughs> they fix up houses. I know there's a million of those shows. But a lot of people absolutely love this family and this couple. They're a Christian couple out of Texas and yeah. they're wholesome, but they they have fun together. You know, they're, they're this picture of this family that is doing what they love. Okay. And it's this positive thing and people love it. So that gives me hope that Ruth and Boaz and whatever family they may have that it would sell I think and I think it would it would be this awesome story in the midst of this famine and all this hard stuff of restoration and showing like the godly lives and I like that you know it's a nice positive show in the you know we have so many like you said there's so many negative options to choose from but I like that you put a nice positive twist to that so AC I hope you match that (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go the opposite direction okay I'm gonna I would follow uh, David Okay. David's mm-hmm. family. I mean, I love David, man. Like, I'll read his stories because I can identify with his struggles, and I can. I am impressed with his victories and the things that he accomplished. Okay. Um, you know, and I'll I'll be reading and get to the part with Bathsheba, and I'm even though I've read it a million times, I'll get to him and be like, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't yeah, do it, yeah. You know, so um, I think that would be some some good drama, some good television. You know, call it maybe The Crown. The crown. The crown. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I just would like to follow Jacob, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. as he's running from his brother and, uh, you know, just kind of how he's gotten out, in and out of things. Like, it would be cool just to see his whole th- thought process behind how yeah. he kind of figured all that stuff out. That fight scene with Yeah, God. the fight scene. You know, <laughs> like, he beats the angel. Like, man, he gets his hip broken. Like, yeah. I don't know what the... I haven't thought of a good name, so I don't think I can match you guys. But uh, maybe, maybe by the end of the podcast, I'll think of the one. The Amazing Grace. So maybe something race. like no <laughs> or just something like israel you know like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh doesn't israel mean wrestles with god yeah wrestles yeah with god? yeah he just it tells his whole story or something like that yeah but, uh but anyway just uh we're just gonna step back and uh kind of reach just start off by reading through first chronicles 17 uh 1 through 14 uh the scripture reads 
Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and disturb no more. And violent men shall waste them no more. As formerly from the time that I appointed my judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all, all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot in there, um, you know, a lot with, uh, a lot of cosmic uh, uh, implications, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're going to get into, uh, you know, the covenant that, you know, the Lord made um, in that moment with David and uh, kind of dig into that a little bit more. But just firstly, um, you know, in the Bible, first and uh, second Chronicles come after first and second Kings. And if you're reading Chronicles, I remember the first time I read I was like, wait a minute, did I read this already? Like, yeah. I think I, 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 am I having like a moment of deja vu or something? Like, I know I've read <laughs> this Warren. before. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, things are, uh, seems like they're repeated, but it's done for a specific purpose. So I'd love to get into that. So uh, why are we reading this at uh, the end of the Old Testament? And how do the books fit into the true story, AC? So, yeah. So usually in our English Bibles, you have Chronicles right after Kings. And the bad thing about that is that, like you said, if you're reading through the Bible and you read Kings and then Chronicles right after, there's so much repetition, you're probably going to skim through it. Right. And you're going to focus so much on the similarities that you're not going to notice the differences, and the differences are, are, are important. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles comes at the end of mm. the Old Testament because what it's doing is summarizing the entire Jewish scriptures uh, in such a way to give hope to the post-exile Jewish community who, we talked about this before, that this is after they've lost the land, been sent into exile in Babylon, and then been permitted to come back to the land to rebuild the temple um, but they're struggling with like, man, this temple sucks compared yeah. to the other temples. Right. Man, like what kind of community are we? Like not everybody, most people are not even here. There's just a fraction of us here. And then, uh, you know, we had to struggle to build this wall, but we're still not a sovereign nation. The prophets talked about, you know, that Jerusalem would be rebuilt. The temple will be rebuilt. All the nations will flock to Jerusalem to be under the, the ruler of rulership of God and Man, it's the opposite. We're second-class citizens being right. subjugated by another empire. So, you know, 
First Second Chronicles is trying to give hope to that community. And so that's where it fits into the story. It's right there to give them hope, to, to summarize everywhere they've been hmm. and to give them hope looking towards looking the future. Forward, yeah. And then right after that is when Jesus comes. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's not just like the author made a mistake and, uh, you know, or he's just... You know, forgot what he said before. You know, it's like it's it's done for a specific purpose. It's looking back and looking forward towards Jesus. So, uh, Tina, what would you say is the message of these two books, First and Second Chronicles? Yeah, so I think it ties in with a lot of what AC said. Is that this is we we know that this is kind of intending to summarize all of history up to this point because the very first word of First, first Chronicles, verse one, is Adam. Hmm. It's not, you know, I'm going to tell you a genealogy. It's just Adam. Right. That's exactly where it starts. So it it'll, takes you right back to the very beginning, to the genealogy that started it all with Adam and Eve. And then when it walks you through, we, you know, in our in the Bible Project reading, it says just to skim through the genealogies, yeah. which is fine. But what, what you see um, when people break that down is there's two main lines that are being shown, and that's yeah. the, the line of David uh-huh. through the king, and then the line of the priests. And those two themes are throughout the whole book. Um, of and First and Second Chronicles was written as one book. Right. So it was really written when you end at the end of First Chronicles, you are like, okay, cool, yeah, it's David's over and now a new book starting with Solomon. But it was actually written for David and Solomon to be this joint, um, that the Davidic covenant that we just got read, it, it, yeah. this, this beginning of that covenant starting. And so it really is this one book that tells the story that focuses on the way that God has fulfilled his promises mm. through this, um, this promised king and then the way that he's fulfilled his promises through the temple and through the priests. But as we continue reading and as we see, we see what the author does is he compares this really, he actually cuts out the bad parts of right. David. We don't see Bathsheba in the yeah, story. Right, and it's right, like, right. wait a second, there's something missing here. Yeah. And obviously he wasn't trying to like pull one over. People could have gone yeah. back and read yeah. easily. But what he was doing was he was showing that there is this really good king. He was creating this, this type mm. of this Messiah, this one to come, but then showing, but David died. Like it's in there, like he died and someone else took over. And then Solomon was a good king and there was peace, but then someone else came. And then in second Chronicles, we start to see highlighted kings who made really bad decisions and weren't obedient to God and the implications of those things and the consequences there. And then really good kings too. And so he's creating this, um, this tension of showing these promises I am fulfilling, but they have not been fully fulfilled. So it really does create, we we talk at Redemption about the already, not yet. And when we say that, we mean we're between Jesus' first coming and his return where he's going to fully establish his kingdom. Then they were, it was between Abraham and the promised Messiah. It was between the Exodus and the, and the king who would rightfully sit on the throne and usher in his kingdom. It was the prophets like AC talked about imagining this kingdom that was just complete flourishing and peace that we couldn't imagine. And so we get a taste of that with David and Solomon, but then we end with this tension of we're not there yet. But but we see God's faithfulness through the story, and it does create this memory that produces hope that we look forward to in the future. Wow, I think that is just a great uh, way for us to see the message of the book, but also see what it's pointing towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really important because, you know, at like I said, I've approached this book before, and you know, you see the genealogies and. 
I mean, even if the Bible probably doesn't tell you to skip over it, I think we naturally just <laughs> yeah, skip over yeah. it because it's like, okay, like, I don't know why that's in there. But then you see that, you know, that shows like, you know, God has stuck to true to his word, you know, and, uh, you know, how Jesus even comes out of that line. So that's, yeah, I think that's really a helpful way for us to, to understand this book. And uh, I think, you know, AC, can you kind of just help us with that? Like, just for the normal reader, I think the normal uh, uh, tendency is to, to skim through, you know, a lot of the, the genealogies and stuff in this book. So what are some, like, helpful strategies as we approach Chronicles that will help us to understand and, uh, you know, not just pass over it? Yeah, I think the, the important thing is to know why it's there. Mm. Because when you don't know why it's there and you just see a list of names, you're going to be like, all right, let me get to the action. Right, right. You know, and then you don't even know the significance. You don't even like, you're like, why is this even in here? Yes. Why are there all these names? You know, even when you read the Gospels and Matthew starts with the, a genealogy and Luke starts with the genealogy and you're like, come on, bro. Two yeah. Gospels start with genealogies. Like, you can't start with the miracle. <laughs> so, it's, it's, you have to ask, well, why is it there? And yeah. so, for, for First Chronicles, you know, Tina mentioned why the, the genealogies are there. It's that, um, the author is trying to focus in on the line of David and on the line of the priests. Right. Because the, the community to whom this was originally written was struggling with questions that we struggle with today. Mm. Like, has God finished his work already? Like, are we still part of God's plan? Is God really doing something? Because the world looks really bad. Yeah. And even the church doesn't look like what it's supposed to be. And for yeah. them, it's like, you know, hey, we're supposed to be God's people. We're supposed to have the temple. We're supposed to have a, a community based on his covenant. And we don't look like that. Right. At all. You know, we're, we're a shadow of that. So is God finished with us? And so the genealogy is tracing, like, here's the work that God began. And it comes up all the way to the present day to show you that God, yes, is working. And like, here's the genealogical proof, you could proof, say, right. that God mm -hmm. has been working and is still working. You know, so when you read that, you're like, okay, like, this is legacy. Yeah. You know? Man, I love the way you put that. Like, when we read the Bible, we just want to get to the action. You know, we want to say, like, what is this saying to us? Like, you know, and not ever sometimes, or sometimes not considering, like, what was the original intent mm -hmm. of this? Like, what were, uh, uh, what were the, the people who it was written for? What were they meant to understand, right? right? And I think that, uh, you know, as we just kind of segue in, like, as you squid through it, you know, those are questions or those are tools that we've provided that, uh, you know, help you to think on those things. So, you know, as you're squidding through chapter 17 in particular, uh, I guess how would you, or uh, yeah, how would you uh, uh, summarize that, Tina? How would you summarize the chapter 17 that uh, we read through a little bit earlier? Yeah, so this is a, is a really important chapter um, for the book of Chronicles, but also for the story uh, with what we call the Davidic covenant that we've, that we've talked about. But I just, I just love the way that this chapter is set up. So David comes in, he's sitting in his house looking around and he's like, I have this beautiful house. And the, the presence of God in the ark is in, like, this tent. Like, right. oh, my gosh. This, yeah. like, and something clicks inside of him. He gets this, like, guilt. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it seems like this really amazing motivation of, like, I need to, to like, serve and honor God in this way. Like, right. I want to honor God. So he goes to the prophet. The prophet's like, yeah, man, like, the Lord's with you, clearly. Like, do your thing. But then God's like, actually, no. Like, I've got something to say to this. And, and what's so cool is that God says, no, actually, I'm going to build you a house. Mm. And he... And, it, and when you hear this language, God's like, I've moved through my people from tent to tent. Right. Like, 
I am the God of all the universe, but I've allowed my presence to live in these. And it points us towards Jesus who says, just, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't have a place yeah, to lay my head. Just lay my head, yeah. But God is choosing to honor his people and give honor to his king. Right. Even though he's the rightful king, David is one who's supposed to lead underneath him. And just the way that he gives, we think back to Adam, that he allows us to bear his image. It's all of this God deferring and, and giving honor to his people and just calling us to live into that, into that call. Um, and so it's, it's, and when we hear, you know, I'm going to build you a house, what does that mean? Like he's living in a house, right. but it is this sense of this, this kingdom, this lineage um, that's coming. And so this covenant is established and he, he goes from David to talking about his son that's going to take it over, looking ahead right. to there will be more kings to come, right. um, but that it's this forever covenant. There's something about it. There's this mysterious thing that it's somehow never going to end and there's going to be blessing through it. And that somehow the Abrahamic covenant of blessed to be a blessing of that Israel will be blessed through this king, but that through that somehow they will be a blessing to all nations. So there's so much wrapped up in that. Um, and, and I just love the way that David responds in his prayer. We didn't read that on here, but when you continue reading chapter 17, yeah. I, there's this one part that he says, because basically he's saying because of these promises that you've made to me because of the security i have in this covenant how much grace you've shown me i'm now coming into your presence and he speaks to god directly wow. whereas before yeah. he went through um nathan to the prophet nathan, yeah. so there's this response where he's just full of grace and gratitude and he recognizes the grandness of this covenant that's being made right yeah so this uh just like tina was just mentioning so we have this uh, you know, in this passage of scripture, the the Davidic covenant, right? And I'll just read a couple of lines there again from this verse. Uh, you know, moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. Uh, when your days are fulfilled to work with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. And uh, just kind of skipping along here. He shall build a, ho a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And, uh, you know, um, but I will confirm in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. So obviously we know there who he's talking about. Or who he's, maybe we don't. You know, maybe we he's don't. Maybe we don't. But um, you know, but it's it's pointing towards Jesus, right? In this covenant, um, I, I sometimes I wonder what David in that exact moment was thinking. You know, mm -hmm. if he was just thinking maybe another a lot, maybe his line of kingship would continue forever. But um, you know, in, in in any in any event, you know, this is pointing to Jesus. So, uh, AC, can you kind of just Walk us through what is the Davidic covenant and, uh, you know, how is it significant? Yeah, I mean, because what, what God is saying here is that, you know, David, one of your descendants is going to rule forever. Right. Um, and you look at where, like, the kingship even originated. Mm. You look at the book of Judges. Right. And the common theme, the two repeated phrases are, one, everyone did what was right, right in their, in own, their eyes. own eyes. Yes. And then number two... This, this was in the days that Israel had, had no, no king. king, yes. You know, and yes. so, like, there's just this, there's this thing about people, man, that we need leadership. Mm. You know, you, we need, in every area of life, you, whether it's school, business, um, uh, the home, church, government, we need leaders. Mm. Like, we just can't do right on our own by ourselves. Right, like, right. We need, we need leadership. And God recognizes that humanity needs leadership and he promises a king. You know, in Daniel, we saw last time, they talked about like the son of man, all, all authority has been given to him in heart. Right. Jesus picks up on those 
on those prophetic tones in Matthew 28 and he says all authority has been, been given, given to me. me yes you know and so Jesus is that ultimate ruler we're looking for to make everything right you know I mean I think about what's going on in Syria right now Ooh, yeah. you know and like I don't have the answers man I don't know what to do yeah. because on the one hand yeah, yeah I mean Assad is using allegedly using chemical warfare and yeah. and you see these pictures of children of dying children yeah. and like, it's, it's like terrible. that's gotta it's stop terrible. Yeah. and it's like but do we intervene because mm. look what happened in Libya and Iraq and right. Vietnam, right. Yugoslavia. Every time the United States try to intervene, it just gets really messy. Yeah. Like the body yeah. count gets bigger. It's not easy. It's yeah, not easy. It's not it's easy. Like, but I think about what uh, we just read, what you read a few minutes ago, where it says like the violent man won't won't be there anymore. Right. You know, and so when Jesus Jesus is going to come, he's going to rule the world in such a way where there's going to be peace. And we're not going to have these things in Syria anymore, right. you know. And so this this covenant is is promising God's people that I will bring a ruler a ruler to you, and it echoes and it expands the Abrahamic covenant because we we saw in Abraham that uh, at the end of Genesis 11 the whole world is dominated and broken by sin, right? And so then God chooses Abraham and says through you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. blessed. In other words, like creation is going to be regained. Like uh, when when God created the world, everything was good, 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 very good. It was, it was a state of blessing. Right. But sin ruined blessing and, and it brought curse. And so God's like, I'm going to bring blessing back to the whole world through you, Abraham. And then through David, God is saying like, here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to bring a king, mm-hmm. a world ruler, who's going to usher in an age of everlasting peace. Yeah, um, definitely, and I think that just shows how First Chronicle points to Christ, right? You know, we can see that, uh, you know, like Tina had mentioned, David is a great king, but David died, right? Like, you know, we need someone who's going to be able to bring this full restoration about it, and, uh, right. you know, only Christ was a- is able to do that. So, you know, you kind of touched on a couple of implications for... Uh, from First Chronicles 17. Um, you want to just hit on maybe a couple more? Maybe. Yeah. Um, you said leadership was one. Yeah, and, le- um, leadership. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at how, like, the type of leader that David is portrayed in First Chronicles, it doesn't show his flaws and his failures. Mm-hmm. And it's not to minimize or hide or do, like, a cover-up. Mm-hmm. It's just to present an ideal type of leader to the people. Like, this is what a good leader looks like. Mm-hmm. And obviously, David leaves you wanting more like okay but we need something even better and of course that points to jesus but then when you think about for us like um leadership is in every domain of life whether you're in politics whether you are you work whether you you have a family whether you're in school and we either are in leadership or under leadership and most of us find ourselves in both to some degree and so my question is what kind of leader am i yeah you know Am I the type of leader that if First Chronicles was written about me, that sure, I have sin and failures and things like that, but could I still be held up overall as an ideal type of leader? Yeah. Or would I be like the other kings in First Chronicles that did evil in the sight of the Lord and yeah. would be held up as an example of what not to do? Right. And then on the flip side of that, like being under leadership, yeah. what kind of follower am I? Oof. You know, am I the person who's always trying to challenge authority mm. just for the sake of, of challenging authority? Right. You know, am I always the person who has to get my way and my opinions and my way of doing things is always a superior way? Or can I look at a, at a flawed human leader and say, I'm going to submit to your leadership? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Any thoughts on Good. that, Tina? 
Yeah, a couple implications. One that I that I think is really important for us is we tend to be very focused on our own life and what we need to accomplish within our lifetime. Yeah. Um, and what we see here is that God's mission spans generations and generations mm-hmm. and that it's never complete in one person. You wow. wonder, you read you read this and you're like, David was this blessed king. Why didn't he get to build the temple? Like he did all this work. He yeah. donated all this Just stuff. You know, as you, heart, yeah, you, know. you continue and it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, God's giving that to his son. Right. And and as I'm reading later on when he commissioned Solomon, he he says these words and I was like, wait a second, I've read this before. And it's almost verbatim what Moses said to Joshua. Mm. He says, "Be be strong and courageous and trust that the Lord's going to be with you." And so I go back and I read that and it's right as Moses, this who David is compared to a lot. Moses who has done like incredible, unbelievable things and leading the people out of Exodus, out of Egypt. And the people are like, really terrible to him and he like endures and even yeah. intercedes like for the people yeah it's, it's just it's like it's yeah. like insane to yeah. me yeah. and he does yeah. this like one thing that's like he tapped the rock or said something yeah. to it and all of a sudden it's like nope sorry you're not yeah. going to the promised land and, and it's and, and so he's at the end of his life right it he's lived this full life he's done his purpose but god says you're not going to be the one who takes the people in. It's actually going to be Joshua. And so this exchange takes us back and reminds us that God, God doesn't want us to take the burden of everything that needs to be done in his mission in our own life, but instead wants us to be training up. So Joshua was being trained up under Moses and Solomon was being trained up in the house of David. And we see that what's kind of cool about this is that David was that first king, but Solomon does build this temple. He does. This is a good thing that David asked for, but that Jesus is the one who brings the two together and being the good king and being the temple, the presence of God. And no one else in history is that. And so just our focus being shifted um, and having eyes to see people around us in in our workplace and our communities um, and our families where we're building up that next generation for the continuing mission. I think that God has... I mean, that's great. I think that's really a good word for leaders, you know, for yeah. pastors or, you know, whatever leadership role you're parents. in. That you, yeah, parents, yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whether it's in the household, in the workplace, whatever it may be that uh, you, know, you need uh, to be training other leaders. Right. And constantly not taking on the full burden like, you know, basically you're the savior in that position. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I think that's really uh, convicting in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just a call for us to, uh, you know. Think about how we're stewarding our leadership, right? How, how we're doing that and, you know, make sure that we're we're looking forward, right? And helping to train others, right? Yeah. Um, so just kind of wrapping up here. Uh, Tina, how do you sense the spirit would have the uh, community of redemption respond to this text? Yeah, one thing that I was really thinking when I was reading this, when we talked about David's response to God's grace and how there was this there was this very relational security that he felt in that um and i was thinking about you know covenant is something that's used throughout scripture and when we think of it about it today i think the only way we maybe use it is in marriage that marriage is this covenant um and so i was thinking like yeah this is this is really important good stuff for the covenant of marriage there's three things that i was thinking is the practice of memory, of remembering the really good things um, in that relationship, the ways that God has worked, the promises um, that we've made to each other, and seeing that God will be faithful and having that hope, that memory, right. looking back and having that hope that in that in those really hard times where it feels impossible, that God is present in this covenant and that as we 
continual to continue to celebrate all the good things right. that we start to grow in in our ability to really see ahead see through that really um, hard time that you might be going through but then as I started I think I'm like this isn't just for marriages you know and and I'm thinking about all the single people in our church right. Um, because there's no, you know, in group or out group, or you're not a parent or you're not a child. Like everyone has the same value and call from God. And so I was thinking, how how do we facilitate and create this relationship, this covenant type of relationship in our body? Um, because the way that David comes before God, it's clear that there's this sense that like you've always taken care of your people. I am this cherished one in Israel, the people that you've called. And so therefore I have this confidence because of your grace. Mm. And how do we, how do we create a community where we're extending grace to one another? And we're considering our friendships and our relationships of people who might be lonely as the same as this covenant, because Mm -hmm. we are a part of this covenant community, this body where we're committed to each other um, in the sense that we make people feel that, that peace um, and that being known and loved and cared for the way that God does with his people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would like just piggy piggybacking off of that. Like I think kind of the way to get there is the way that they got there or the way that the author is doing here by making them a story formed community. Hmm. You know, the way that the author of first Chronicles is getting them to embrace their calling and their covenant is by reminding them of the story. Yeah. You know, and I, I wish my prayer for redemption Tempe is that we would know our story. That if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are, you've, you've missed a lot of chapters, you've missed books. Right, and you're struggling. The summer's coming. Right, like don't just slide that squid book away. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep start reading. today. Yeah. yeah. Start today. Start Keep today. reading and know your story. To the point, like the Jewish people knew their story so much to the point where like genealogies were significant. You know, history mattered to them. Right. And, and what is the Bible? The Bible is a record of God acting in history. Right. It's the true story of the world, which is why we call it the True Story Project. Right. You know, and if we can understand how we got to where we are today and where God is going in the future. And we are aware of that significance that's bigger than our lives. Like Tina was saying that it stretches on to generation yeah, to generation. Generations, yeah. You know, it's this big story that's bigger than my life. And if I can press into that and find my place in that story, then I can embrace the covenant. I can embrace the community. community I can start yeah. I can start being more Christ like definitely in all of my endeavors because I've embraced that story. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. You know, as we uh, uh, find our place in the story, yeah, we're able to, you know, really know what it means to love your neighbor and to, uh, you know, love God and to how to how to uh, just live like within a community and, and, uh, you know, love them well. So I think that's great. Um, And, you know, just I would encourage you, just like AC said, man, if you're you know, for whatever reason, uh, you haven't read the uh, true story. You haven't been keeping up, and you know you're feeling discouraged. Just start today. Uh, you know, don't don't uh, feel guilty or ashamed about it. You know, um, just just start today. Pick it up. You know, you, we we have the Redemption Tempe app, which I I use personally, and I just listen to it sometimes in the morning. You know, and that's convenient in, in that way. But um, you know, whether you listen or read, you know, there's many ways for you to just jump in, jump right in. So. Before we wrap it up here today, we are ending this on a bit of a sad note. Um, uh, I think one of the one of my favorite people at Redemption, uh, you know, just 
been blessed by her insight and you know her heart for uh, others serving others and uh you know just being able to come on this podcast and just contribute so much of information and um you know just always something new um unfortunately uh tina there is this, this will be her last podcast with us <sighs> yep i'm i'm trading to the dark side yeah tucson yeah yeah can you imagine that uh when we <laughs> yeah but uh no i just want to thank you so much tina for all your contributions and you know how you've served our community so well so, thanks man i appreciate yeah, that I, I you know i appreciate you, tina and like just to be real i know it's yeah. going public podcast but just to be to be real like um sometimes i i don't always feel like i fit in at redemption sometimes mm. you know sometimes i feel like part of it's because i'm an introvert so yeah. i don't always feel like i fit in but tina has this humility and this gift about her to make anybody feel included. Definitely. You know, she I has can, this way can, of talking yeah. to people oh, yeah. where it's like, oh, yeah, that's the homie. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Okay, I belong yeah. here. You yeah. know what I mean? This is family. This is friends. Yeah. This is fellowship. Yeah. You know, and so Tina, and then on the other side of it too, just like seeing the back end and seeing like the work that she has put in oh, over yeah. this year. Like if you've gone to RC and you've listened to like your RC leader share notes or lead the discussion in a way that's fruitful, if you listen to the podcast, yeah. if you if you bought a squid book, you know, um, if you've been a part of this in any way, yeah. like that's part of Tina's efforts. Yeah. Like, she's had her hands in all of that. Definitely. I mean, there's been some moments like I mean like early on when we were just kind of getting this all planned out and I was just I remember sitting at me as I was like, what? <laughs> How did she come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even, my mind wasn't even going there. But no, honestly, Tina, like, you will definitely be missed. I really, your presence are... will definitely be missed in our community. And, uh, you know, Redemption Tucson is, uh, or wherever you decide to, to serve uh, or continue or attend, you know, we'll be blessed to have you. Those are some really kind words, guys. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, right. so we're not I'm miss yet. you guys. Oh, we're stop. Not through. We got, we got <laughs> listeners of the show, of the podcast, stop it. That have come. <laughs> to give you thanks as well. Stop. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, so um, definitely just want to thank Tina and AC for uh, you know doing this podcast with us, and uh, for you for you guys out there, just uh, keep staying tuned to uh, future episodes, and uh, you guys have a good day. We'll see you next time. All right, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank. Tina for what she's brought to the podcast table for us as well as just appreciate and thank her for who she is and what a for redemption as a whole um, I just want to thank you Tina for being a woman first of all working in a male dominant environment and you know that is church ministry for being intelligent and theologically sharp and using your gifts to bring us that fire every week on the podcast I know I've learned a lot from it um, for being able to work diligently and faithfully on so many different projects with Redemption and managing to stay so like fun-spirited and bubbly and just gospel-centered through the chaos of administering and being over so much. Um, and the last thing, I honestly just wanted to thank you for being such a f loving and fun person. I've only known Tina personally for seven to eight months or so, but she has this gift where she's just able to treat everyone with the same level of humor, love, and friendship. Um, the best way that I could really describe this is, I mean, it doesn't matter if she has a lot going on, if it's the best week she's ever had, the worst week, she's going to treat you like if she's your best friend. Um, you'll always get Tina Dare at 100% and that you can't really find anywhere else. So, Tina, I'm really sad you're leaving the podcast. I'm really sad you're moving to Tucson, but Tucson is finna be hashtag blessed. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
love it. I love it. Yeah. So. All right, Tina, we have uh, one more person that'd like to say something. Oh, thanks, Abby. Spencer Aubrey, step to the mic. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I'm burning some dogs right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, uh, it has been a blessing and a joy to know you and your husband. And, yeah. you know, just, you know, the insight, the wisdom, and just so many things um, that I've learned personally from you and even just, you know, your writing and, and so many different talents and gifts that you have that God has blessed you with, um, it's it's going to be very much missed, you yeah. know, and you are going to be very much missed. Uh, you both are. Uh, but Tucson's not too far. Uh, that's right. So that's a, that's a good thing. That's a plus. So yeah, that is. That's a plus. Y'all got to come visit me. Yeah, True. we will. We will. <laughs> but just appreciate everything and the hard work that you put in and and everything that, that you've done and, and been, you know, not only to redemption, but also a blessing in the lives of everybody else you've, you've touched. So, thank you. Thanks, Spencer. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Be out. Yeah.